0: If you have a piece of paper, you can get that out and and I'm going to give you some instructions on what to do. If not, then you can use the piece of paper that's on my screen. Just don't come up here and write on the screen. But I want to thank everyone for being out this morning, especially our visitors. We know that you're here because someone cared enough to to invite you, your family, your friend. They love you and they care for you. And they wanted you to be a part of this day. And we're just thankful that you've taken time to be with us uh, today. As you can see, when we worship God, it's very simple. We sing praises to God. We will pray. We will offer the Lord's Supper, and we will partake of the or uh, have a giving, and then uh, the sermon. All of those things are part of our worship service. And we want to encourage you that if you're visiting and you have questions. You can ask me or you can ask any of the other members of our congregation. And if they can't answer the question or I can't answer the question, we'll see if we can find an answer uh, to the question that you may have. But feel free to ask those things. That's what we're here for. We don't want you to be shy or afraid of us. Uh, We're here to uh, encourage you because we want everyone to be in heaven. As I said, if you have a piece of paper... You can uh, take that out right now. And what I want you to do this morning is in the upper left-hand corner, I want you to write your birthday, the year that you were born. And then I want you to put a dash. And then I want you to write 20 with two uh, lines. And it's going to look something like this. I'll put my date up there, 1958. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, that guy looks good (laughs) for pictures. You know, I was thinking when I was working on this, if I was a 58 Corvette or a 58 Thunderbird, I'd be a classic. My wife has a classic. (laughs) Anyways, with a dash, and then put that gear. Now, I know some of you might be able to put 21 up there instead of 20. I'm not going to go for uh, uh, pushing it because I know I'm not going to be hundred and something. Uh, so uh, those are the dates that I have. Now, I want you to look at those dates that you have on your paper. And listen, every one of us has a... a we have that number up there somewhere. It's the day that we're born. And we mark that day with candles and cake and, and uh, uh, cards and presence, hopefully. We, we look forward to that day. We celebrate that day. But then, on the other hand, we have on the other side the date that we don't like to talk about. And that's the date that we're going to pass from this life. And it's going to happen to every one of us. And whether we like to talk about it or not, it's going to happen one way or another. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so we understand that one night or one day, uh, that right-hand date is something that will be filled out on our sheet of paper. And we don't really like to think much about it. But listen, just as we have no control over that first day, we have no control over that second date either. You see, that first date, you know, we kind of showed up here on the scene. We didn't plan for it. I didn't get up on February the 23rd at 8 o'clock in the morning and say, Hey, today I'm going to show up. It just kind of happened. And that's the way it worked with all of us. We just showed up. And that day on the other side is also going to be pretty much the same way. Because we don't have very much control over that date either. And so if I ask you, when you look at those two dates, the only thing that you have control of is that dash in the middle. That simple little line that is on our tombstones when we go. And when we read an obituary, it's that little dash that describes all of those things that they put in that obituary. Now, I don't want us to get morbid this morning and just think about that last date over there. What I want us to think about is that dash. How are you living that dash? What are you doing in this life to make that dash mean something? You see, we need to understand how important it is about how we handle our lives. Because we only get one dash. Nobody gets two dashes. We only get one. And this morning, at this moment, I think that it would be a good time for us to deal with the question because life, it goes by so quickly. It goes by pretty rapidly. And I think most of us who've made it to 58 or from 1958, we're now in our 60s and 70s and 80s, we realize that life goes quick. And it seems to be getting quicker. As I said, we only get one dash. And God describes your dash as being short. I want you to think about other passages of Scripture, of how our life is described. In Psalms chapter 39 and verse 5, it's described as a hand's breadth from here to here. That's what it's talking about. That's how short our life is. And when you look at the scale of eternity, or even the scale of man being here on this earth, your life is just a small blip on that radar. A hand's breadth. We can look at other passages of Scripture. Psalms chapter 102 and verse 3 It's described as smoke. And if you've had a fire outside, a campfire, been camping, whatever, then you have a, a fire and that smoke comes up. A lot of people burn leaves at this time of year. And you see the smoke and it kind of just disappears. In Psalms 144 and verse 4, it's as a shadow. Think about that. On a sunny day, I think it's sunny out there right now, if you walk up there, you can see your shadow. I can see my shadow right here with these lights just shining down. I can see my shadow, but if you turn those lights off or that sun goes behind a cloud, your shadow's gone. And Joe described it as swifter than a weaver's shuttle. You may not have ever seen one of those, but it's pretty quick. And all of those terms are used to describe our life. And it tells us that our life is short. And so I think that most of us would like for our life to mean something. And I think God wants us to realize that our life should represent and mean something. And so James makes it pretty simple for us to understand. Because he says in James chapter 4, verse 14, "...whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow, morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then just vanisheth away." While telling us that life is short, he asked the question, what is your life? Ask anyone you meet, And I'm sure that they would have a different different definition of life. Because no two people would have the same answer. I'm sure that if we ask everyone here today, we would all have a different answer as to what's the meaning of life? What is your life? What does that mean? We each have our own interpretation. And in our Bible text that we've read, James doesn't give the definition of life. But rather... He expresses its brevity that it's as a vapor that appeareth and then just as quickly vanishes away and how true that is why why is it that short because in the span of eternity it is very short in fact James says that it's like a vapor. And as you can see on the screen, I have a picture of a tea kettle. And if you've ever had a tea kettle or a pot boiling on a stove, you realize that when it gets to the boiling point, that that steam comes out of that pot. comes out of that tea kettle. And it starts to shoot off. And it goes out. But how far does it go? It goes about a foot, maybe a foot and a half, and then it's gone. It doesn't fill the kitchen. It doesn't fill the house with the steam. It just goes And it disappears. When I went outside this morning, our ground's covered with snow. I don't know, up here, you must have it warmer up this way. But I just live about a half hour from here, and we got snow on the ground. And when you go outside, you can see your breath. That's how short our life is. It's what God is trying to tell us. And so God's Word tells us that our life is like a vapor. Appears for a short time, and then vanisheth away. And so James warns us here about making future plans and leaving the Lord out of those plans. Or, or making plans without realizing that we may not be around to complete those things. Jesus talked about an individual that was like that in one of the parables that He gave. In Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 16, He says, "...the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful..." And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll build or pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. How many of us have that same attitude that we want, to have, uh, we want to accumulate a lot of stuff. We want to have a lot of uh, things that we can have in the future or things that we can have that we can enjoy tomorrow or some other day. But listen to what God says about that individual. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, when we meet that day uh, day that's on the right-hand side, we'll know that we're not going to be able to take all the stuff that we want to accumulate here on this earth, all those things that we think are so important, they're going to be left behind. It's just going to be me and God. You and God. And you're going to answer for your life. So God is telling us here that it's important to keep Him in our plans. So what is your life? Well, one of the things that we need to understand is that our life is a gift from God. That all life is a gift from God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 it says, "...And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life." And man became a living soul. We're made in the image of God. That makes us, human beings, something that is special. Something that's different in the creation that God made. He made all of these things and it was good. But when He completed it with man, He said that it was very good. We are a gift. Our life is a gift from God. The Bible tells us In John chapter 1 and verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is light, or life. God is life. And when we're in Christ, we're alive, we're living. In Psalms chapter 127 and verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. What does that tell us? That life comes from God. So a child that comes into this world is a life that God has given to us. We see in Genesis chapter 20, verse 18, For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Abraham had lied about Sarah being his wife. Said she was his sister. And as a result of that, this plague came upon Abimelech and his people. And there we see that God is what controls the womb. It's God, that, again, that gives life. And so, isn't it sad when we see some, someone take a wonderful gift of life, and destroy it or waste it or mistreat it? I'm talking about all of us. Not just little kids, not just unborn. I'm talking about even as adults. How many of us waste the life that God has given to us? We know that God gave His Son... His only begotten Son into the world as a gift. That makes life a gift from God. Because God sent His Son so that we might have life. And that we might have life more abundantly. So, what is your life? That's what I want to ask. What is your life? What are you using your life for? Is it just to collect things? Is it just to exist? What are, you, what, what, what are you using the life that God has given you for? And I ask the question, are you happy? And when I say happy, there's bad things that happen to all of us. And if you haven't experienced any bad things in your life, just hang on long enough, you will. Because there's bad things that happen and there's trials and temptations and difficulties that every one of us will face. And when I say, are you happy? I'm not saying that life is always going to be happy. Are you happy when you wake up in the morning to know that God has given you another day to exist? Another opportunity to live? Another opportunity to let your light shine as a Christian? Or make a difference in this world? Are you happy to do all of those things? Do you have peace? You see, we have problems. Yes, we have problems. You look in the the New Testament and you can find Christians that were being persecuted. Lots of bad things were happening. But they still had the peace that passeth all understanding. And I ask you, do you have that peace? When you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, do you have the peace of knowing that God has given you another day and that you're going to live it to please Him? What well, are the most important things in your life? Is it the stuff? Is it your job? Is it all those things you want to accumulate? Or is it your relationship with God and your relationship with your family? The people that you love. You say, well, you don't know my family. You don't know mine either. But I know my family is important. I know that my relationship with God is important, and those are the priorities in my life. Are they the priorities in your life? You see, in Luke chapter twelve and verse thirty-four, Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Where's your heart? You see, we live in a world that gets, gets us so distracted. It gets us so distracted from the things that are really important in life. And we start to think that, you know, oh, my, my, my heart's where it should be. When in fact, it's not. You see, we accumulate these things. We, you know, we want to have all of these possessions. Why? So our family can be happy. Do you realize that some of the people that have the most money in the world, that have the most possessions in the world, are some of the most miserable people in the world? Which would you rather have? Peace in your life? Comfort of knowing that your treasure's in heaven? Or would you rather have all the things of the world? Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The world's worth a lot of things. It's worth a lot. But it's not worth your soul. What are your plans for the future? Do you have any? And when you plan for the future, the Bible doesn't tell us there's anything wrong with planning for the future. This man had tore down his barns to built bigger barns. His problem was that he left God out of the equation. And when you make plans for the future... Do you have God in the equation? Or is it all about you? Where's God on your priority list? You say, Well, you know, he's important, but you know, I got a lot of things I gotta do first. And I would squeeze him in if there was room, but right now there's just not enough room. And I've heard people say, Well, I'll I'll consider God and I'll take care of that problem, that relationship when I get older. The problem is that date there on the right, you don't know when it's going to take place. You need to have your priorities now. And when you make room for God and make room for your family, the things that are important in life, all those other things will fit in. Is your family a happy place or your home a happy place? You enjoy going home to see your spouse, to see your children, see the dog and cat. You enjoy those things? Is this something that you look forward to? You know, Dorothy said there's no place like home. Is that true of your life? You see, because every home is either a little bit of heaven or it's a little bit of hell. And it's really up to you and I as to what, what type of home we have. And everybody needs to do their part. So what is your life? In John chapter 10, and verse 10, <clears throat> Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, Jesus is telling us that my purpose or his purpose was to give life to its fullest. To help us to realize that it's not just the physical things in this life, but the spiritual things are also important. And even more so because that takes us into eternity. This physical life is going to come to an end. This world eventually is going to come to an end. But what the Bible shows us and tells us that we're going to live on. And so Jesus or Satan comes to this world and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he has succeeded in convincing too many people that life is made up of things, of possessions. That we've got to have this and we've got to have this. This gadget over here, oh, we've got to have that one. We've got to have the newest one. We've got to be better than so-and-so. We've got to have something fancier than they've got. The devil's quite clever at working those things. But we neglect the most important relationships. And that's what I hope you get out of this lesson this morning, is that those relationships with God and family and friends are what's important. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. That word covetousness is not something that we use too much in our vocabulary today. But what it means is beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much you owe. Don't be covetous. That abundant life that Jesus offers is only for those who obey God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You see, we can have that abundant life. You can have that abundant life. You can have salvation, but you have to obey him. I've had people say, Oh, you don't have to obey. That's not important. Well, the Scripture says it is. And as we've seen in the Bible class this morning, we realize that the Scripture is something that's very important that we need to follow. Oh, I know the world out there, the society that we live in, says it's not important. It's not the Word of God, but it is. And it's there for a reason. And He expects us to obey And I, I, I've always wondered, what did He give us a book for if He doesn't expect us to follow it? You know, when you go out and you buy something that you have to put together, you open up the box and there's instructions. Why do they put them instructions in there? You see, a lot of us have had the experience where we ignored the instruction. We just kind of tossed them and started putting something together and only to realize that we're going to have to take it apart and re-put it together because we didn't follow the directions. In other words, we messed up. And that's what happens many times in our lives when we ignore what God has told us. He's warned us. He's given us uh, 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 warning signs. He's told us what to look out for. Realizing that there's pitfalls that are out there that we can get caught up in. But yet we ignore him. That doesn't apply to me. That's going that's the other guy. Or I'll listen someday. If you want salvation, today is the day of salvation. And obedience is important. In John chapter one, verse twelve, it tells us but as many as receive him, to him gave to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. In Romans chapter eight, verse seventeen, it says, "If children, then heirs; heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ." God's given us the power to be a child of His. Oh, I like—I know people like to say everybody's a child of God. We are all given life by God. But not all of us are following God. And that's why we need to realize the importance of being obedient. Because the promise of heaven is only for those who are faithful, those who are obedient. And when we are obedient, that means we're joint heirs with Christ. What a blessing! What a privilege. To know that we can be a child of God and have the beneficiaries of His promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Think about what it says there. If any man be in Christ. What that means is that it's possible... To be outside of Christ. You see, we're either in Christ or we're outside. If any man be in Christ, well, there's a condition. If. Well, how do we get into Christ? Well, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 tells us that we're baptized into Christ. And when we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. And so if I want to be in Christ, and I want to be a joint heir with Christ, and I want to have all the spiritual blessings and promises that God has given to His people, then I need to be in Christ. And I need to be buried with my Lord in baptism. That baptism is a water baptism. Going down into the water, coming up out of the water. So that we can have <clears throat> those promises. And then the Bible goes on to tell us that if that, but, but when we do that, that we are being made free from sin and become servants of God You have your fruit unto holiness and in everlasting life. And so we're free from sin. Our sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Christ when we go down in that watery grave of baptism. Romans chapter 6 explains that to us. You go down in that water, a man of sin, you come up out of that water, a new man, a new creature. Because those sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Christ. We reenact the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Of Christ. And therefore we're justified by our faith, and we have peace with God through Christ. As Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 tells us. You see, it's important that we obey God. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I heard a preacher on the radio last week who said if somebody's telling you you have to do something in order to enter the Kingdom of God, then they're a false teacher and you need to run. Well, I was thinking as he said that, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the Kingdom of Heaven, but he that doeth the will of My Father which is in Heaven. So Jesus is saying you got to do something. You've got to do the will of God. And if you don't do the will of God, guess what? You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So was Jesus a false teacher? No, you see, it's His kingdom. He's the King of that kingdom. In fact, He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And He tells us that we have to do something. And you have to do something if you want heaven to be your home. So I ask you, how are you living the life that God has blessed you with In the movie Braveheart, <clears throat> William Wallace is in prison. He's the, and the, the Princess Isabel comes to him and she's pleading with him to announce his loyalty to the king. And if you know, you know William Wallace was a freedom fighter. And he made a very profound statement I watched a clip just to make sure I had it right. And he doesn't really shout it out or anything. He kind of just says it quietly. But how true it is. When he says, Every man dies, not every man really lives. Now, he may have had a different meaning for what he said, but I thought that that was a very interesting quote. Because you see, sometimes we get caught up in this life with all the hoopla and all the good things that we can enjoy, and we forget about the things that are really important. And sometimes we think that we're alive and living, but are we really living if we've left God out of the equation? So this morning, I want to encourage you to make sure that God's in your plans. To realize the life that God has blessed you with is something that is precious and is something that you should use to glorify Him. Realizing that life is brief. That it is as a vapor. And that it is uncertain. We have no promise of tomorrow. We have no promise of the next minute. But we do know that the Lord is going to come. And we do know that we ought to say if the Lord's will, we shall live and do this For that. What is your life? This morning, we offer an invitation for those that may like to be baptized into Christ. We offer an invitation for those that may need our prayers. We're here to help you in any way that we can. All that we ask is that you come and have a seat up here on the front row as we sing our invitation song. And so we want to extend that invitation to you this morning. And as I said, if you have any questions, we're more than happy to answer those questions. We do all that we can to find the answer if we don't know the answer. But what we want you to do is to have a home in heaven with us, with God. And that's important. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation as we sing, come and have a seat up here on the front row.